0: Welcome to Design for Voice podcast. Here's a quick highlight from today's episode. This, this voice boom has acted as a, a major catalyst for audio branding. You know, audio branding really picks up where visual branding leaves off. So it's a space that's really kind of ripe for more creative energy to, to be invested. In this
1: show, we're going to be talking about how to use audio branding for your voice experiences. And my guest is Eric C., co-founder and CMO of Audio UX in New York City. He is part of a team of thought leaders and innovators working to evolve the landscape of sonic branding as we know it. His degree in music, business management, and psychology fueled his passion to integrate psychoacoustics into holistic branding. Together with his team, he's bringing the best parts of audio branding and combining it with the best practices from visual UX to pioneer the field of audio user experience. Let's get to the show. Welcome to this episode of Design for Voice. I'm your host, Jeremy Wilkin, and today I'm joined by Eric C. of Audio UX. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Why don't you give us a little bit of your background in this area?
0: Yeah, so you know, I I think I began my my musical career and uh, you know studied music theory in high school, studied music business management and psychoacoustics at Berklee College of Music, and then I went on you know through kind of the whole world of music for advertising and and building and designing things, and then ended up in this audio branding space. Um, and so I got together with a, a team of, of like-minded people. And we founded audio UX.
1: What's a little bit about audio UX? What's your, uh, your goal?
0: So part of the name is the goal in and of itself. So, you know, it stands for audio user experience and it's ox for short colloquially. Um, so what we're kind of trying to do is take some of those working best parts of, you know, audio branding as it were, you know, from, from the 1950s until now, but also mix that in with best practice from user experience design. I mean, I think we found we actually worked with a lot of user experience designers on creative teams in the, in the sounds we were making. So it made sense to kind of marry those two worlds together as just a general practice of what we're doing, to kind of shift that paradigm of, of asset-first branding into more of how does a user really experience audio within the context of that brand activation.
1: Awesome. So I'm really excited because this is kind of a space I don't think a lot of people are in right now. They're working to build up their personal assistant experience and starting to learn more about how a conversation works, but haven't spent in the apps that I'm experiencing, at least I don't hear a lot of additional uh, uh, fidelity when it comes to audio experiences. So can we kind of start framing what's what's currently the state of of the industry and as you see it with personal assistance and voice experiences when it comes to using audio branding sound effects uh earcons things like this inside of that experience
0: Definitely. Um, from what I've seen, this this voice boom has acted as a, a major catalyst for audio branding. I think there's just generally a lot more interest in the field. You know, I've been seeing more articles, um, earcons, which we'll be talking about a little later. You know, I think they've been trending more than ever, um, and I think it's just a really exciting time because you know we're obviously entering an audio based platform where you know audio branding really picks up where visual branding leaves off so it's a space that's really kind of ripe for more creative energy to to be invested
1: when we kind of talk about branding there's the traditional brand logos that we're probably familiar with right nbc you've got that tonal experience that yes (laughs) anybody who's watched nbc will instantly know um what are people doing in this space with voice assistants and and bringing their, their brand to life. And this may be something that applies largely to bigger corporations, but also what about smaller, smaller organizations or individuals who are just making these, whatever action they're building.
0: Right. You know, I think the most exciting thing is that, you know, the playing field is definitely leveled where, you know, it's a new space for everybody. So whether you are a household name brand and, and you kind of already have an established audio identity, you know, it, it should be very easy to implement that into this new vertical of voice. And if you're just starting out or, you know, whether you're CPG or, you know, an app or product, it's also just, you know, you have just as much of a chance to create a great sounding experience as one of the big ones, because it's new for everyone. And, from what I've seen and, and some of the things I'll show you is that, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity for people to be doing better. And there's some people that are already starting to do some great things. So what
1: are the benefits of having this additional work that you put on yourself to build out these, these brands and, and audio uh, experiences? What, what's the benefit for the, uh, the, I guess the user, but also for the brand?
0: So, you know, to back up a step, um, some of these Kind of great you know audio statistics you'll maybe see floating around are just encouraging you know factoids for for why to to focus on sound design. Um in terms of audio ads, they tend to drive 24% higher recall on average than display. So it's actually not really a negative that we're moving from from visual to audio. Um you know, audio ads are also more than you know, twice as likely to lift purchase intent. Humans process auditory stimuli 14% faster than they process visual stimuli. So there's really just a lot of power behind sound that we can really tap into here that, you know, might not otherwise have been done.
1: I never realized it was that much faster for sound over visual experience. And as a web background person that everything's about seeing things and you want to, um, when you get to a website that does make sound, you're just like, how, how do I stop this?
0: <laughs> but <laughs> right. This is that's your experience part of sound. Right. So, you know, for us, um, you know, that's a big thing, right? Because there are a few websites where sound is part of it, but generally negative space, much like visual design is just as important as where sound should be. So yeah, you, one thing you might not want is a website to just be jumping out at you with sound. In fact, uh, I think Google Chrome has been pretty good with, you know, stopping those little ads that pop up and start blasting sound at you right away. So that's part of the user experience side of the audio branding.
1: Okay, so with you, you kind of mentioned, there's things that we've learned from even like 1950s uh, onward about audio branding. What are a couple of those pillars, or, or what would define good? like logo branding.
0: So, um to talk about, you know, logos for a second. You mentioned the NBC chimes which, you know, a lot of people reference that. It's you know, it was developed around 1929 and and then was also the first sound trademark in I believe 1950. I think the important thing to note there, which is a little more to do with earcons is that you know, this is this was a user experience sound it was very functional to begin with right they would be played to you know tell operators to switch or the end of a program so it was something functional that you know functional that became fashionable so this the sound that was triggering event to to cue people to do something then actually became so iconic it became the logo you see today which is leveraged you know everywhere <laughs> so
1: I had no idea. That's fascinating. So it was a way to tell like the individual stations that this was the next time slot to start the next show.
0: Yeah. It's, it's just, you know, a, a time marker or it, it marks certain other events too. And, and you can read more about it. I believe it started with more, you know, closer to seven and nine notes and diminished over time to a simple three. But, you know, I mean, you and I met at a, a conference and something I'll see at certain conferences are. Um, They'll have people walking around with some sort of metallophone, a xylophone or something, and they'll they'll be playing similar uh little chimes. And so they're audio signifiers that maybe it's time to quiet down for the next event or move to the next room. And it's something that, you know, you don't think about much, but back then it became, you know, such an iconic thing that it became their logo.
1: I was at a, a conference and they were using a gong to say, hey, sit down. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think
0: that's another thing, too, is that, you know, certain conferences can really do something unique and and maybe create their own earcon for for showing people, you know, when something's coming next.
1: OK, so before we jump to earcons, maybe a kind of a general question uh, to round off the branding piece, because this is something that we talked about, these bigger brands that have these audio experiences uh, or or logos, if you will. And what we're talking about for a lot of folks are small individual developers, maybe a small team even, who don't have necessarily the the training or the background or the the budget perhaps to go off and build their own branding experience. So what kind of advice would you have for somebody who's in that space?
0: For that space, um, I think, you know... not that earplay is small, but I think earplay is a great example of just using sound to augment the experience. So, you know, without getting into, to branding and specificity, because we're in this voice space, the, the new default is that Alexa is somewhat narrating the experience. And if you can take any measure you can to, to augment that experience by either, you know, layering in environmental audio or, you know, getting the, into voice, which, you know, I think we can definitely talk a lot about voice between, you know, just something other than Alexa versus, you know, brand voice on the, on the more high tier side of things.
1: All right. So anything else you wanted to kind of throw out there about the audio logo branding experience before we kind of jump to the
0: ear cons? Yes. So, um, I mean, I'd love to kind of just take a step back. I think something that I see is When a lot of people have been asking, you know, what does your brand sound like? And it's something that's been asked for, you know many years, but I think it's really resurfacing again. So I think it's always good to kind of take a quick step back and talk about just audio branding in general and then how it applies to voice. So, you know, for people who maybe they know the Intel Inside logo, but don't know much or many other examples of what audio branding is and just, you know, what the practice is in general. So, you know, much like how visual design branding is the use of You know a strategic amalgam of color schemes typefaces iconography and and imagery to convey brand values audio branding likewise achieves this with you know it's a different tool set but it's things like key signatures instrumentation genres and and melodic motifs and like i said this voice boom is kind of a a huge you know catalyst for for everyone to hop in this game you know so for instance with with key signatures um One of the faux pas we'll occasionally see is, um, you know, someone a major brand will have an ad, whether it be you know multimedia on, on YouTube or, or television, and you have a scored background piece, um, whether it's stock or not, mixed in with UX or UI sounds that are in a, a different key signature. So for instance, if the main piece is in C major and then you have these UI sounds in E flat, it's going to sound dissonance and cacophonous and just not really strategic. It's going to you know, kind of damage the experience a little bit. So things like audio branding and, and things that we at Ox develop and, you know, we call it an audio aesthetic style guide because in many ways, like I said, we work with visual teams and UX teams a lot. You know, we want to bring up the quality control of the way that people think about audio, like they already do consider visuals. So for us giving, you know, some sort of guidelines into things you maybe should do and and should avoid one of which is, okay, well, what are, you know, neighboring key signatures that might not clash so much if, if we can't always be in, in one key for a certain campaign, um, in terms of instrumentation, you know, there's definitely a shift you can do between, you know, more dramatic orchestral pieces that are more maybe heartfelt to, a you know, a brand values video or, or some sort of, you know, visual timeline whereas if you're you know launching a new app and it's something that's more socially driven and upbeat yeah the instrumentation might vary slightly but there can be core elements that maintain and i think the most important part there is about melodic motifs because you know much like scoring a film when we score these experiences if you do interweave these motific elements, these themes, then it still all feels a part of the same world, even if the mood is changing.
1: If I'm a bigger brand or if I have uh, a larger experience that's going to benefit from these things, it sounds like I'm really going to need somebody who has essentially the, I th- I like the term, the audio branding or audio aesthetic style guide, somebody who has the ability to create that right. and, knows, mm-hmm. and knows things about different keys and, and the difference. And like, I had a roommate who was a music major. And so he was always talking about stuff that I was just like, that sounds cool. And, uh, couldn't quite follow through, but he could sit there and like recompose, uh, something into these very different experiences. And as soon as he would play the same song, but it was transposed down several steps or whatever it was, it, it felt different. And I was always like,
0: wow, that's, how do you do that? (laughs) Right. There's, there's so many ways to, to manipulate sound. And so when you, when you establish that, that core, you know, as a part of an audio design system, it's really limitless the ways you, you can leverage that into different pieces, you know, much like that song can, can become a completely different mood, but you still know it's that song based on certain lyrics Mm -hmm. or melodies, even if they are, you know, slowed down. So there's, there's a lot of power there that I think, you know, when you watch an hour and a half film, it's not like you've run out of musical choices at that point. So to only have two or three commercials, you know, it really, in theory, shouldn't be that hard to to exercise the same concept of, of motific development. I, I think there's just a lot of room for, for growth that can be taken advantage of in that sense.
1: Yeah. And I think of movies, especially, I mean, I... I have kids. So cartoons have a theme song of some sort, but (laughs) there's the motif that's played throughout several times. And this is a very very cinematic, but it does draw you back to that earlier moment perhaps, or it brings you, connects you to something else
0: as the movie continues on. And yeah, that's definitely a huge thing too. And, and actually uh, an example I'd want to share is, um, Nickelodeon Spongebob skill. Um, (laughs) I think it's it's a great example of you know while it might not be a, a consumer brand per se because it's a show although obviously you can buy SpongeBob related things I think in partaking in that skill it's just immediately obvious what you're interacting with um, you know it's not just Alexa saying hey welcome to a certain skill you hear that SpongeBob theme song and you're you're instantly engaged um, you know you're in Bikini Bottom and <laughs> I think it's just um, a great example also for, you know, they kind of cover the gamut of things like brand voice and they, they feature ear cons. So one of the really fascinating things that I heard is I was at the CDX forum and Matthew Evans of Nickelodeon was actually talking about the skill. And one of the interesting things he said is that, You know, even when people were participating in the app and were getting questions right, there was actually a desire to try and get it wrong to see what that would sound like. And I think that's actually a powerful testament to, you know, how interactive earcons can be because it's something you actually want to hear again, you know, even if it means you have to, you know, give the wrong answer. Um, So I'm going to quickly play for you the SpongeBob app launch so you know what I'm talking about
1: ahoy matey welcome
0: to nickelodeon spongebob challenge you can always catch more spongebob on nick now let's dive in and start the game so you're instantly in that world you know this isn't alexa narrating something to you it's something you're familiar with already there's equity built so you know Like I said, in principle, this is a great execution of just moving all those great assets that already exist into a voice space. You know, for those of you who want to hear what the success and failure sounds are like without doing the quiz, I can show you that as well. So if you were to answer correctly. Perfect. And if you were to answer incorrectly. (laughs) Go ahead. Take a moment to
1: collect yourself. As long as you need.
0: So, you know, there you have part of that experience.
1: <laughs> That's I mean, and I can picture it like the cartoon in my head exactly. I don't even watch it, but I like I can picture it, right? That he's yeah. sitting there with his yeah, it's it's powerful when we want to start to build in some of these other experiences, what you just described was there was the kind of introduction that was yes. the if you want to call it the logo at that point and then the sound effect earcon i'm not sure if that's exactly the right term for this but you've got you've got the right characterizations you've got the right sound effects all combined at the same time to create the the positive or negative response so as we kind of shift over let's talk a bit more about how you can utilize those types of earcons and experiences inside of the app experience itself
0: to somewhat delineate between what's a an earcon or an audio logo or you know i think a good word to think of for the onboarding of these experiences is an app launch it's it's an auditory splash screen or you know almost like a sound landing page in many ways because this is your chance to to shift from that you know nexus of interacting with you know your amazon echo or, or google home and into a branded experience To do another experience that's very similar to this, I think, it's also quiz-based, but it's less for children, more for adults, is the Westworld skill. So, you know, similarly, there is an app launch that, if you watch the show, will be, you know, somewhat unmistakable.
1: On you.
0: So again, there. you have an experience here where you've already seen the show on TV, you know the theme song, and it immediately, those associations put you right back in that world.
1: And that's so amazing to have. And obviously those are bigger budget experiences. So I think there's still a lot of potential though for somebody to utilize the familiar, even if it's not necessarily 100% their own, to bring people to a time and a place. Maybe it's a generic, like I'm a restaurant and here's how you can inter- interact with my restaurant through the, the voice experience. But perhaps you can add and enhance with some of the background sounds that are typical to a restaurant to help just convey that moment, that feeling,
0: right? Absolutely. Um, and I mentioned earplay is a good example of this. In other experiences, um, you know, the there's a Batman app, the the Wayne murders investigation. And it's a a similar, you know, choose your own storyline adventure where the decision tree kind of lets you pick your own adventure. And depending on what you do, it's, it's laden with not necessarily ear cons, but just sound bites of, you know, what would be happening around you, environmental sound, because, you know, sound really is a, a transport of experience. And, you know, when you're, when you're listening, even if it's being narrated by someone else, it can really just, you know, bring you to a different place. And actually a great example of just the the basic power of sound as an app, you know, is our friend Nick Schwab from Invoked Apps. And, you know, that was, you know, he, he put out some of the first 500 skills on the marketplaces. These are things that get streamed roughly 150,000 times a day. And he knew that, you know, for people living in the city or elsewhere that, you know, wanted to kind of bring some sort of either meditative or just calming music or, you know, sound effects or soundscapes into their, you know, nightly routine it just became like a greatly successful platform. And actually, um, we're at AudioX are, are currently working with Invoked Apps to develop a branded earcon to, to tie that myriad of experiences all, all together. Having those sounds experiences are obviously central
1: to that type of skill. So, as you mentioned with with Alexa, especially there's the default voice that Alexa has that's very familiar. What's it like to change that experience, and why would you want to go from that default experience to some other custom
0: voice? Right. So, um, Alexa being the default is you know it's a great experience. However, to for brand differentiation and for more immersion, you know, I think that's where, you know, the, the ceiling hits. So, you know, when we talk about, you know, the, the different kind of major assets of audio branding, obviously the audio logo is one of the, the biggest, but brand voice, especially in this voice space is, is, you know, a critical element. And so, you know, on the, on the brand side, on the bigger side, you have, you know, brands that have, already undergone these exercises of developing their, their brand voice, but now is a great chance to, you know, showcase, um, you know, what that voice actually sounds like, you know, what's the physical manifestation. And then on the other side for, for non-brands or just for general experiences, you know, mixing in just actual audio snippets of, of people speaking or spokespeople, you know, can really add to the experience. Um, a great example there, one or two even, is, you know, Stubbs uh, Barbecue. Um, so you actually have Stubbs speaking to you and, and telling you tips. And I think it just adds so much more auth- authenticity to the experience than if it were to be simply narrated by Alexa. And now, you know, Alexa will... Redo the recipe and everything, but having it prompted by Stub, I think, really just adds value. Um, another voice I think we all know very well is the Geico Gecko, and while the whole experience is mostly Alexa, you at least get an offboarding experience with the the Gecko wishing you well. Um, and when that's all mixed together, like again, you know, I, I reference both the SpongeBob and the West World skills as kind of these these hero examples of doing all these assets well you know you you have the original voice actor from spongebob and you have the cast of westworld speaking so you get that kind of brand equity just you know developed and and implemented in a new way and so in even in a non-branded sense having some voice other than alexa is going to at least bring you to a different place and if it's Mm -hmm you know, you mentioned these, these restaurant scenes, I think it's way less robotic to have someone, you know, maybe walking you through a menu or something to have an actual waiter or waitress from that restaurant, maybe read you something to give you an example of, of what that experience might be. Because again, you know, sound is, is a transportive experience. And if you were to create something now, I, I don't know if any of these skills exist right now, but like you said, mix in general ambience of what, that restaurant might sound like, you know, cocktail shakers going, plates clanking with, you know, mm-hmm. utensils, and then you have a, a friendly, you know, staff person telling you the the daily special. I think that's a lot better than Alexis saying, you know, there's 50% off at this place. <laughs> so, <laughs> right.
1: And there another example that always comes to mind in this case is the Headspace app. You this is a meditation app, and they've already branded themselves using the main guy's voice yes exactly his name escapes me at the moment but it's it's australian it's very soothing he's like a tibetan or studied with tibetan monks and things like this so it's like he has this aura uh and if if google or alexa were to you know say the same things it just it wouldn't bring you to that to that mindset that place so yeah i can see bringing that custom voice in is often better, or usually much better, unless you're trying to really fit in with the core platform itself. And uh, Google, the Assistant doesn't I'll let you do that, actually. Um, Alexa does. But uh, the Google Assistant, there is a trade-off to new voices by default baked into it. So you kind of also got to know your platform, what right. they support, and and, and sort of a, the typical UX of that platform. Maybe having Alexa talk to you all the time is the expectation.
0: Exactly. And I mean, that's a, a great example, actually, with with Talkspace, because when you've become so accustomed to a voice, you know, if you were to hear something different, it, it just might not feel as authentic to the brand. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, they actually they just launched their app recently, correct? And they, the Talkspace, they they had um, they had a very limited experience and then
1: they re- rebuilt it with the full experience because they have a lot of different options but they were providing only a very small kind of bite-sized version of it before and then they implemented login and all of this so that it could get access to the whole thing
0: great yeah so headspace is a great example of of already having a brand voice and then just bringing it to another platform so you're already maybe used to listening to your earbuds and and hearing the same voice and now you know you can do the same thing in your in your living room
1: all right, so let's shift gears then to the earcons, which we kind of we talked around a few few different ways. So, could we start right. off with like a clear definition of what you mean by an earcon?
0: Yes. So, earcon again, it's it's become repopularized, in, in a way, it's it's kind of a portmanteau. It's an earcon is to the ear as an icon is to the eye. You know, where that actually spelled e y e. The term is attributed to. Uh, da Sumikawa. In uh, in 1985, he he penned a paper titled "Guidelines for the Integration of Audio Cues into Computer User Interfaces." So think, you know, Windows sounds and Apple sounds, and we can actually play a few of those examples. One of the famous ones is is Windows 95, which was composed by Brian Eno. Um, so to take a step back, you know, at audio UX, we mostly refer to these as UX or UI sounds, depending on the implementation and, and the context. So, you know, ear covers a, a, a blanket term, but I think more specifically, we're looking at auditory feedback from user interfaces or just general user experiences. And, you know, in a way in this zero UI world, you can think of it as a, a zero UI sound. And so, these sounds for voice are are critical. I mean, one thing uh, I believe Kathy Pearl was mentioning on, on one of your first podcasts was the the fact that these experiences are somewhat linear. So, you know, voice and audio in general is, is occupying, a you know, the, the time continuum. You can't really uh, look up and down or scrub around too much. The experience is, is ongoing. So, you know, if a picture is worth a thousand words, an earcon or a UX sound can be at least worth one less phrase that Alexa has to tell you. And even for that, Alexa introduced uh or at least Amazon introduced brief mode, which allows you to kind of forego some of the the verbosity of, of these phrases to just have a simple tone or sound that can indicate, you know, we've heard this or we haven't heard this. Um and I can even play an example of what that the difference might be so this would be you know alexa telling you you're connected to bluetooth
1: connected to bluetooth
0: versus the uh the earcon indicating the same but what you have there is these you know as you go through experiences the more phrases that need to be said really stack up and and elongate it and kind of create this barrier between you and the experience you're trying to get to. Your iconography and and UX sounds can really kind of expedite that process and and get you to the experience you're trying to enjoy faster. Um, I yes, really but, like
1: uh, I really like the you know icon to the eye is the same as an icon to the ear. So you know in traditional web design or print design, there are certain visual cues you might use. A green checkbox, that's a positive thing. Or a red X, that's a negative thing. And that's generally well understood by anybody who's used a computer or, or a device for very long. They see this repeatedly. So is it that we want to be using ear that is well-established and consistent, or are we also
0: possibly able to create our own? I think that, um, you know, as... Art imitates life and life imitates art. I think certain things we hear have been almost predicted from you know even movies in the 80s trying to predict some sort of you know futuristic user interface on a you know on autonomous vehicles before we thought we'd even have autonomous vehicles, for example. Um, so in some ways, it's kind of this you know self-imposed futuristic sound, whereas on the other hand, you know, certain things we've just become accustomed to over, you know, repetition and rehearsal, and they're just culturally relevant from what we've, you know, heard forever. For instance, you know, the sound of a, a train door closing is, uh, is somewhat ubiquitous, at least, you know, in, in the East Coast here and the MTA and everything. And so you kind of know what that that interval is, is telling you. I think that, you know, something can be done to maybe help, um, you know, I guess homogenize what, what our experiences are in terms of sound. Um, a term we use internally at at OX is, is gestural intuition. And it has to do with the way that different intervals work for different experiences. So to say that more plainly, when you hear you know, two notes and they're going upward like ding, ding. that is more of a positive sound than if they were to go ding, ding, and it would sound more negative. And that's just, you know, completely off the cuff. Um, you know, my voice isn't obviously a perfect indication of what a, a UI sound can be. But I think also if you look at the the practice of these different voice assistants, even amongst one another and what it sounds like when Siri is listening to a request versus Google home versus Alexa, they all have their differentiators, but they're all pretty similar in terms of, you know, developing this human experience of, Oh, my voice assistant is listening to me and, or my voice experience has, my voice assistant has heard me and has acknowledged me. I think, Those are, are starting to become somewhat standardized in a sense where, you know, some cognitive load is, is reduced when you, when you know what this, you know, non-visual thing is actually communicating to you.
1: I kind of think of, when I watch commercials that I've seen with the the Google Assistant, uh, they sometimes have used some of the earcons that they utilize in the process of acknowledging, oh, the wake up word was heard, we're starting to listen, or we're processing, or things like that. I do feel like I've seen a commercial or two where those are actually utilized. So they actually kind of mix the earcon with the brand and try to make those things so strongly connected so that even if you're not hearing the brand, you hear uh, the earconography in a way that's reminding you of it.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, honestly to us, that's kind of a home run when you can get that cross equity between, you know, product sound and your, your marketing team, then, you know, you're one step closer to kind of achieving this, this branded holism. And, you know, if we think back to our NBC example, it's actually not that different. You have this functional sound that's become so associated with the brand that actually transcends function and becomes an audio logo of a sort. So when you hear, you know, certain Google commercials end with that Google Now or Google Assistant prompt, then you know what the brand is. I think Apple followed suit and I don't have the example, the exact timelines, but Apple is leveraging Siri sounds to end the commercial and and you see this happen more and more now.
1: Maybe we got time for about one more kind of topic here. The Google Assistant platform, the Alexa platform, and probably others that are coming out uh, all seem to have a built-in library of earcons that they provide for developers. So should people be investing in those? Should they be looking to build their own or source their own from some some website that maybe produces these uh, you know, audio sounds automatically for them and they can kind of buy them like a stock image uh, or how should they be discovering and and integrating these into their, uh, into their apps?
0: Right. Yeah. So both Amazon and Google offer certain sound libraries and yeah, I think they actually refer to some as, as earcons, whereas they might not be an actual UX sound. And again, like I mentioned, you know, there's kind of brief differences, but it really just depends on the, the context of what you're doing. Right. Some
1: are, um, background sounds and you know longer audio clips but then there's also the the quicker blip sounds and things that might be used in a confirmation for example
0: right and you know like i mentioned before using any kind of earcon can just help expedite an experience so as long as the tone is, is somewhat you know unobtrusive it can really signify a lot now obviously there's something to be said about you know um some sort of diminishing return if you use kind of an improper sound like if you have a a downward gesture that's supposed to be positive it might be confusing the experience but as long as you're generally doing something that's you know we we're somewhat accustomed to it's going to improve the experience and like we talked about with things like earplay and the the wayne investigation mixing in environmental sounds to any kind of app experience will just instantly augment you know how enjoyable it is to people because now it's it's not just like reading a book it's like looking at pictures and it's not necessarily a picture book but mixing in all those different elements just creates a a much richer experience much like the difference between just reading plain text or or using an interactive website is more what i mean to say
1: yeah and so these these default libraries um do you recommend people to use them do you recommend people go off and find their own or build their own where's the line if you had to put one in the sand before you would say i need something custom
0: right so you know like i said if if you're just out there developing a skill using any any sound to add is is always a great idea um like I said, as long as it's not done in a some sort of inappropriate way, but I do think there's no substitute for actually investing time and and doing doing real strategy. And obviously, you know, at, at Audio UX, it's something we really believe in a lot. Uh, for anyone, you know, getting started, adding in any kind of sound effects and and ear cons is is always going to create a, a richer experience. I think that. You know like i mentioned earlier with you know Lex's brief mode at least having some sort of earcon can can help diminish the amount of time between you know onboarding and actually experiencing the app um mixing in things like environmental sound or sound effects are just going to create a more immersive experience to begin with um you know it's like the difference between reading plain text and working with an interactive website but again at audiox you know we believe so much and just creating a, a better sounding future that we really urge people you know whether you're a smaller brand or a bigger brand to invest that time in strategy in developing something that's really unique to you because in terms of brand safety there's no replacement for doing that
1: all right so let's recap what is the top takeaway for I think today the
0: key takeaway here is that you know voice is just a huge catalyst for audio branding big or small so in terms of being a huge brand you might already have these assets but it's up to you to leverage them now something i found is that of you know the 25 most iconic audio logos of those brands only 11 of which even have a, an app skill or action and then only 3 of those are actually implementing their audio logo into the experience so it's a huge missed opportunity for a significant amount of people whereas if you're a younger app or developer or brand, you know, you have just as much of a chance to create an even better sounding experience than one of the big leagues. That's good news
1: for anybody who's getting started. And you know, I think one of the concerns that a lot of people have is that this is really hard or that I don't have the right skills or that it's going to cost me a lot of money. So knowing that there's still a lot of big brands who aren't in this space, it can be a little bit intimidating. But on the other hand, it also means that the opportunity is very good. And even getting started means you're, you're either at the same level or above some of those big brands that haven't really gotten into this yet. Exactly that wraps up kind of the the main part of the show i like to call this endpoint detection part of the show where we kind of focus on a few things that are uh on the side here and wrap up the show so my first question to you is have you had uh, a bad voice experience or or noticed a bad design choice recently in just your everyday life
0: well yeah i've been um obviously a kind of play around with a lot of apps just because I'm generally curious about this and I'm kind of always recording these experiences and looking at them. I think that it's really the the missed opportunity of brands that already have an established audio identity that just haven't really done anything unique in the voice space when, you know, it should really be a, a pretty simple implementation. Um, I think, you know, some of these examples are the Intel inside logo could be a very easy indicator of their flash briefing beginning. Um, they actually do have an ear con, but it doesn't seem really related to that main, that main audio logo. Um, there's a few other experiences. Like, um, if you look at, you know, Westworld and SpongeBob have their, have their themes in the skill, but when you look at the, Batman investigation skill or the Spider-Man homecoming skill. You know, you don't hear any of those classic brand themes, the old Spider-Man theme or the Avengers theme currently. You don't hear Hans Zimmer or Danny Elfman in the Batman experience. I think it's really just, you know, the missed opportunity of really, you know, taking that equity you've developed over the years and, and bringing it to this new space.
1: So you've listed a bunch of really good examples. Uh, is there anything, another type of app experience that you have had that maybe, not necessarily related to uh, audio branding, but also just an interesting experience you've had recently that you
0: found? One of the, a big point I'll give to Safelight is that they're one of the three uh, brands that are implementing their skill into the, uh, their audio logo into the skill rather. And they actually have a function where their invocation can actually be Alexa play the safe light jingle. And I think that's just a neat way of just saying, you know, instead of worrying about other content or onboarding, uh, the whole audio brand can be the experience. You can, you can join in and listen to, you know, what's already been developed. And that's, you know, a big portion of what the app can be already. Um, I think uh, that's when, you know, you've made it when people want to listen to your jingle. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, in terms of, of jingles, you know, something I do want to mention is, you know, kind of of this, this overlapping Venn diagram of what's an earcon, what's an audio logo, what's a jingle, you know, you can really think of it like a, a jingle is is more like a, a sung slogan and an audio logo is usually more instrumental. And sometimes there's a, a version of either. So for instance, with the Nationwide app, um, you know, many people obviously know that that jingle and they they've created campaigns based solely around it with different you know musicians playing and iterating upon it which is great and then they actually use more of an audio logo version of it as an app launch Um, it's really just uh, a piano just playing the little melody Um, it's not really orchestrated or super unique but it is just a different version of rather than just being a jingle you know, it's more of an instrumental kind of just audio logo. And it's functioning in that sense as an earcon because it's a, an app launch. So that's kind of a, a good way to think about the context clues behind, you know, what is the sound functioning as?
1: Well, that'll wrap it up. But before we go, how can people learn more about you and your work or your company?
0: Uh, you can visit www.auxnyc.com. Um, we'll have actually a lot more great content coming out soon, some new case studies, exciting things and in, in emerging tech and and voice altogether. So, you know, please give a visit and you can also from there link out to Twitter and Instagram and see some of the cool things we're working on, whether it's an audio activation or just a fun project we're doing just to kind of promote our creativity and, and thought leadership in the in the industry.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. And I think this will help a lot of people at least wrap their heads around how to get started in this space, even if they're not quite ready yet. And to think about what what kinds of things they can start with, even if it's just starting a little bit with the iconography as they build up that uh, that skill and uh, experience on their own. So thank you.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on, Jeremy. It It was great speaking with you. All of the show notes are available on designforvoice.com and if
1: you enjoyed the show please rate it and subscribe with your favorite podcast player